of these things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you will, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. And let's look at some of the words of Jesus Christ and uh, edify ourselves around God's Word tonight. How about that? Be good for us. The Lord is with us and He's on our side. He's leading and guiding and He will provide. You know, we live in supernatural times today. In fact, we live in what I would say critical times in this sense. It's critical that we seek God in this day. It, you know, it, God wants to bring His will to pl- pass in this earth, but He's limited as to what He can do based on man inviting God to work in our midst. Remember Jesus went into his own hometown. Remember that? And he, he could not to heal with any major miracles. He laid his hands on some sick folks with the minor ailments, one of the te- uh, translations say, and he marveled because of their unbelief. In other words, they limited what the Lord Jesus Christ could do there in his own hometown because of a lack of faith or doubt and unbelief. So they didn't invite him to do any more, and so he was limited. So what we can do when we go to God in prayer, we're inviting God to work in our behalf of us personally, but also in behalf of our nation. And I know that you have probably been led the same way I do because you're just as spiritual, probably more spiritual than I am. So you've heard the Holy Ghost just like I have. And the Holy Ghost has been telling you because you listened to your spirit. And he's been telling you to pray for this nation. He's been telling you to pray for the president. He's been telling you to pray for the Congress. He's been telling you to pray for the Supreme Court, hadn't he? Yes, he has. That's what the Spirit of God's been doing. And one of the ways that we pray in that behalf is we bind the devil that's trying to operate through the presidential office. We bind the devil that's trying to operate through the presidential administration. We bind the devil that's trying to operate through the Supreme Court of the United States of America. We bind the devil that's trying to operate through the Democratic Party, to the Republican Party, to the Libertarian Party, and to the uh, what they call an independent party, and then if there's a cemeterian party, then too. You know what I mean? In other words, if we don't pray, then things are not going to change. We, we want to see change, but what Jesus wants us to do in the church today, yes, he wants to pray about our needs. In fact, I'll, I'll just, to, just to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Learn that in the courtroom, you know. But anyway... <laughs> I learned that there. Tell the truth. Where you're at today is the results of prayers that you prayed yesterday or the day before, the week before, the month before, the year before, or where you're not at today is the results of what you didn't pray yesterday, the week before, the month before, the year before. You need to be praying today about what you're going to do tomorrow. You need to be praying today about what you're going to do next week. And in the months to come, I'm talking about spiritual things, praying about things uh, and just presenting it up to the Lord. And of course, you don't know everything, but the Holy Ghost will help you to pray. I'm telling you what's going on is there's a war going on in the realm of the spirit. Uh, There's a battle going on in the realm of the spirit uh, to try to shut this country down and shut this country's mouth. But thank God, you and I can stand up in prayer and we can see God's will and God's plan take place. The United States of America was raised up by God and it was founded by God in the beginning to do one thing and that is to be an evangelization nation to the rest of the nations of the earth in the last day in time move of God. And so where would Satan attack the strongest throughout the world is he would attack the United States of America. Why? Because he wants us to shut our mouth. He don't want us going and spreading the gospel not only in our nation, but in the nations of the earth. And that's what the enemy is up to. He's got a strategy. He's got a plan that he's trying to bring to pass in the United States of America. And so we don't need to, in one sense, 
sense, just look at health care laws. It's not about that whatsoever. It's about a strategy of Satan trying to implement his will on this nation to bring us to a place that we're powerless and ineffective. Said, Brother Randy, how do you know all these things? Well, you know, I guess I just fell out of the bed and hit my head. You know what I mean? No, I, what I've done is I just sought God in prayer, and I certainly don't know it all. I don't know it all. But when you get to praying and seeking God, you can understand that there's a lot of things going on. I talked about oppression this morning and how that oppressing spirit has been on this nation since about 2006. In a way, I believe like church and Christians have never seen nor known. In fact, if a Christian doesn't pray today, it's not long before they fall away. I said, if Christians don't pray today, it won't be long till they fall away. People are falling by the wayside. They're getting into error, doctrinal issues and things like that that you would never have dreamed that these people of such a caliber in the realm of the spirit would get into. But there was such an oppression that came on this nation beginning in 2006. because there's always been a measure of oppression, but the greater oppression came in 2006. In 2006, there were some things that God was endeavoring to do in the church, and I'm not going to get into a lot of it, but just to the edges of it. But 2006, that year, by the time we got to the end of 2006, it should have been so glorious that you, the world couldn't have seen nothing but the church. The world should have seen a bright, shining light coming out of the church with the blinding glory of God, but the devil shut the church's mouth because of one thing and one thing only, a lack of prayer. But thank God that God is always there to give us another opportunity to repent and get hooked up with him again. Amen? Let's look at Luke chapter 18 and see what Jesus said. This is a time to pray. That's what I'm going to talk about right now. Tonight, a time to pray by direction of the Holy Ghost. It's not a time to just be a bystander, be a one that looks and see what's going to happen. We need to pray in this day. Luke chapter 18, verse number one. Jesus said, he says, and he, speaking of Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Another lady said, well, we don't have to pray because it said men. When it says men, it's talking about mankind and it's talking about male and female, so everybody needs to pray. Notice here that men ought always to do what? Pray and not to faint. Well, what he's saying here, if you don't pray, you're going to faint. If you don't pray, you're going to faint. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say that. He said men should ought always to pray and not faint, not give up, not lose faith, not throw in the towel, so to speak, but keep standing and praying and seeking God because God is the one that will put us over every single time if we'll just keep standing. Isn't that right? So if we pray, we're not going to faint, but if we don't pray, then we're going to faint. I said, where's that at? It's in that verse. Isn't that right? We're not changing the Bible. I said, men should ought always to pray and not faint. Yes, you're getting excited. I can just tell about it. Yeah, you're getting excited. Verse two says, saying there was in a city a judge <clears throat> which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and Jesus is using this natural story to uh, describe a spiritual truth to us. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Weary me. In other words, she just kept coming. She wouldn't give up. Verse 6, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Not God, but the unjust judge. Verse 7, and he goes on and makes this analogy from that story that he told in verse 7. 
He said, and shall not God, in other words, this natural judge that wasn't God, had nothing to do with God, but this natural judge uh, that this lady just kept coming, hey, hey, I need some help. I want you to do something for me. He finally gave in because of her persistence. Uh, and it says here in verse six, or verse seven says, and shall not God avenge his own elect? Now this is talking about you and I. And it's talking about God. Now, it's not talking about the unjust judge. And it's not talking about the lady. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. This is applicable to the church. It's applicable to the Christian. And if you're born again, it's applicable to you. So he says here, shall not God avenge his own elect, which do what? Which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them. In other words, cry, he's talking about praying and seeking his face. He said, though he bear along with them. Jesus answers the question that he asked. Isn't it good? You don't even have to answer it. He will tell you the answer to his question. He asked the question, then he answers it for you. What was the question? He said, shall not God avenge his own elect? which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them, he's asking a question. What should your answer be? This should be your answer. Verse number eight, I tell you the truth that he will avenge them speedily. In other words, he will quickly answer his children's prayer if they'll stay at it persistently. Nevertheless, he says, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Yes, he will. If I'm here and you're here, because we're going to have faith and we're going to trust God and we're going to believe God. Isn't that right? We're not going to quit. We're not going to throw in the towel and we're not going to give up. But notice here, Jesus said we should ought to always pray and not faint. And he said that God, our father, will hear his children. That's what he's talking about. We are his children, which is his elect, born again Christians, if we will seek God in prayer. And I'm here to tell you, God is able in the situation of the government of the United States to turn things around if we will seek him. He's able to turn things around in the church if we will seek him. He's able to turn things around in our families if we will seek him. He's able to turn things around in our physical bodies if we will seek him. He's able to turn things around in our finances if we will seek him. He's able to turn anything around if we get in prayer and invite him to work in our behalf, but we've got to ask. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. I'm thinking about giving you a test tonight. You ready to take a test? A Bible test? Are you ready? Have you studied up for this test? Are you ready for it? Well, I'm going to give you a test then. Get ready to take this test. Now this test, I'm going to be kind to you because I didn't give you any prior warning and didn't send out you know, any kind of email to you and tell you you're just going to have a test in the service tonight. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to make this an open book test. In other words, you cannot fail this test. I don't believe. If you can look in your Bible, you will not fail this test. And so what we're going to do, remember we're talking about Jesus said we should always pray and not faint. And then I said that God will do what we ask him and invite him to do. If God could do it without our prayers, then why would he tell us to pray? If God could do it without our prayers, why would he tell us to pray? Why did Jesus said men should ought to always pray and not faint? We are in charge of our destiny. The church should be in charge of our economy. <laughs> it should be. And it should be in charge of our government. The church should be. You know, it's in this sense, in the spirit realm, controlling and dictating what's going on by our prayers to our Father God. Thank you for getting excited about that. So he wants us to pray. So we're going to take a, a test right here. In Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look for two words. We're going to look for the word ask, and we're going to look for the word seek. Now, when I read this passage of Scripture, when I get to the end, I want you to count them as we go, and then I'm going to ask you to tell me how many times the word ask is in this verse, these verses, and how many times the word seek is in these verses, because it will point something out, and this is a test. This is a test. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. 
Ask, and it shall be given to you, or given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? This is the test. How many times is the word ask in those verses? How many? Speak it out loud. How do you know? The Bible says so. This open book test. I'm proud of you. You got it right. But I want to point something out to you. In those few verses, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six. Or actually five verses. In those verses, five times the word ask is in those verses. This is Jesus speaking himself. He's referring to prayer. So asking must be important. Right? The next test, part B. How many times is the word seek in, this, in these verses? How many? How do you know? The Bible says so. Isn't that good? The Bible says so. So it's important to ask, and it's also important to seek. How do we know? The Bible says so. I'm not making it up. Jesus himself said, ask five times. Of course, he's got the word knock too, but, and that's indication of, of going into something, pressing into something. So it's important, if he put the word ask in there five times, it's important that we ask in prayer. It's important that we seek him in prayer. Isn't that right? And so if we will do that, then we're going to come out on top every single time. And what is the verse there that we read last in verse number 11 of Matthew 7? He said, if you then, speaking of human beings, be evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, said how much more, thank God for how much more, would we do good things for our children? Any good thing that we could do, we would do for them. People do good things for their children all the time. I was listening to, to your pastors talking about doing good things for their children, moving this and doing that and getting this and shoving that. We've all done it. You know, that have children, we've done good things. And what would we not do for our children, you know? With our reason, within power that we have and ability we have, we would do. But then how much more will your Father God that has unlimited resources do for you if you will do what? Ask Him and seek Him. The reason you don't have more is because you haven't asked for more. And I'm not belittling you. Ask big. Pray big. Dare to believe God. He said, when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Remember the verses we read earlier? Will he find faith? Will he have somebody believe in God? Yes, he will. Because you and I are going to ask. And we're going to ask big. Now he put the word seek, and of course the word knocks in there too. The word seek or seek is in there twice. And so sometimes, uh, you know, you don't get through praying about something in one session of prayer. Sometimes not even two. Sometimes not even three. There's some, some things that I've prayed about over a period of weeks and months, sometimes even years that I've prayed about things uh, that I knew that was going to happen in the future. And now I'm not talking about just my individual needs or anything, even though that could be involved, but about things that God wanted to do and bring to pass in this earth. So if we'll ask him and we'll seek him in prayer, what's going to happen? 
Does anybody know? What will he do? Let's see what the Bible says. He said, if you then, verse 11, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that do what? Ask him. Oh, just ask him. Ask him. Is anybody going to ask him? Is anybody going to seek him? Is anybody going to go before him? Let me tell you a story. I just got a bunch of them, but how I've asked the Lord for things over the years. But one of the things recently that, that the Lord done, and he's always doing things for me, you know, because I ask him to do it, and I don't say that in pride. It's, he wants to do it for all of his children. It's not because I'm special in any way. All of us are special to the Lord. But if you'll ask him, he'll do things for you. Most of you know, or many of you know, that uh, the Lord had us sew our twin-engine airplane. And we sewed it into another ministry. And uh, after we sewed it, because we were going to sell it. You know, there's a difference between sewing, S-O-W-I-N-G, and, and there's a difference between that and selling something. When you sell something, then you can get some money back. In this airplane, this twin-engine airplane, I had put a, a, a quite a bit of money in it, and it was worth a lot of money. And I was going to sell the airplane, and, uh, you know, use that as a stepping stone to go into a new, more modern type aircraft that was much less, to, uh, much more uh, uh, economically uh, easier to operate. Cost a lot less to operate, would be the best way to say it. And because there's new technology, because this airplane I had was a good plane, it was just older technology, and it wasn't very fuel efficient based on what it would do, and it, of course it was a good airplane. I flew it all over the United States, Canada, Central America, and, and it was a good airplane. It, it worked good for me, but, but and then it got the cost, cost effective was not there, and I've always, I got faith in God, but at the same time, I think we ought to use wisdom when it comes to things like this, you know. And so, the Lord, I was going to sell it, but I kept getting this sense that I should sow it, S-O-W, you know, into another ministry, but I just uh, bypass that sense. You ever bypass something, you know? <laughs> you know, the old Pentecostal said, chicken me shy, passing me by, you know what I mean? This, let this somebody have this one, you know? I don't want nothing to do with this one. You know, let somebody else have it, you know? And I just kept kind of overriding it, and my wife would mention something every now and then about, uh, you know, you think we ought to sow it instead of sell it. But selling it seemed a whole lot better because you had some money to kind of build a foundation on to get another airplane, which is going to be more expensive, of course, but to get another airplane. And then they even run across this deal so that uh, if you would take your airplane and trade it for one of these brand new airplanes out of the factory, one like I was looking at, then what they would let you do is keep that airplane that you presently have until you sold it, I mean indefinitely. They was needing to sell airplanes bad. And that, that you would take, when you sold that airplane, then you would give the money to, to them in the company towards the purchase of the other airplane, but you go ahead and take the new airplane. Oh, that sounded good. I mean, they was uh, wanting to almost give them away, you know, to come get them and fly them away because the, the economy was down and people wouldn't buy them because they couldn't get financed, you know. And so I said, okay, okay, Lord. And it, I told my wife, I said, we've got to sew this airplane. So I called this pastor friend of mine that I knew that was, uh, you know, had been believing along this line because that was the guy that came into my heart. And uh, I said that, uh, you know, I, I got something that I want to sew, you know, and there's no strings attached whatsoever. And we're going to give you several other things. You know, I guess we gave him probably, I don't know, fifteen dollars to $20,000 worth of accessories to go with the airplane, tugs and all kinds of stuff that you need to move an aircraft that big, you know, and, and starting systems and all kinds of stuff. If you're not a pilot, you, you might not understand it. And other kind of equipment that was needed for that particular airplane because it really wouldn't do me any good. Plus, now some of it would, but I just sensed just to sew it all and just believe God. So we did. We sewed it, and then, of course, we had to get into a mode of either trembling and shaking because we, you know, we just uh, gave away the and sowed the best lamb that we had. We took it to the slaughter. I'm talking about we cut its throat and we sacrificed it. But uh, I was set my faith 
you know, call myself set in my faith uh, for the other airplane. Now, the Lord had told me the reason he wanted me to do it. Uh, he said, if you sell it, he said, it's going to limit your faith. He said, I want you to sow it uh, so that you can believe me and exercise your faith and build your faith. Everybody wants great faith, but they don't want great tests, and they don't want great trials, and they don't want to have to believe God. They want to get faith on easy street. I've been down easy street, and I know how to spell it. When you come out the other end of easy street, you'll be just like you was when you went in. But if you go down through test and trial, where you have to believe God, when you come out the other side, you'll know how big God is. Because he brought you down that road, he took you through a circumstance, he took you through a situation where it looked like you couldn't come out. You know, God is that way. He could have took the children of Israel up out of the land of Egypt a more direct route to go to the promised land. But he took them out in the middle of the doggone wilderness. God took them in the wilderness. The wilderness. I mean, they were so glad because God parted the Red Sea and they went across and then the waters filled up and killed all the Egyptian army that was behind them. And Miriam grabbed her tambourine and Miss Pastor got her organ and piano. <laughs> and they started beating and singing and dancing and praising God. Hallelujah. God brought us out. Then when the party was over, they looked around. Where are we at? They was in the wilderness. They wouldn't even hardly a twig of grass sticking out of the ground. Rocks, you know, scrub bushes are poking up. Maybe a lizard run across the ground every now and then. Listen, they wouldn't know grocery stores. They wouldn't know gas stations. They wouldn't know hay fields. They wouldn't know bean patches. They wouldn't even a well to get no water out of. And they said, what are we doing out here? Moses, we want to go back to Egypt? They had it easier over in Egypt, and they didn't have to believe God. But why did God take them through the wilderness? It says in the book of Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 8, you can look it up later. He took them through the wilderness to prove them, to test them, to know what was in their heart. That's what he took them out there for. That's why he put them across in the wilderness. He wanted to show and display his power in their behalf. And for 40 years, ladies and gentlemen, and I know you ladies will get upset about this, but their shoes didn't wear out. <laughs> and their clothes didn't wear out. Said, how could that happen in 40 years? I don't have to figure it out. All I've got to do is believe it. And I mean, we think it's something to go down to the grocery store you know, and buy a piece of meat out of the meat counter. But God had flying service in the wilderness. He just flew it in. <laughs> yeah, and he rained bread out of heaven. God is a supernatural God. And still, after all of those signs and wonders, that generation doubted God. And they failed to enter into the fullness of what God said for them to have. Ladies and gentlemen, let it not be said of us that we will doubt God. That we will doubt that he will come and do what he says. If he said, ask and seek, and that he would give us the desires of our heart, he'll do it. So we sowed this airplane. Could have, I mean, we, we sowed it. Could have sold it, but we sowed it. Get it right. And so now I'm in my wilderness experience. I get out there and everything's fine, you know, because the glow's on you, you know, when you're obeying God. And I sewed this airplane. In fact, this gentleman had to bring one of those big trucks over with a giant trailer to get all the accessories to go with this airplane because I didn't have nothing that big that would haul it, but he did have the capability of it. And then he brought a pilot with him. And of course, I took the airplane because the pilot, even though he's a flight instructor, he was not familiar with my aircraft. And then I sent my office staff and my son 
to the, had sent them out sooner to drive to the airport to, and meet me there so that it would not cost this guy anything whatsoever and flew that airplane in and landed it at where he wanted to keep it at, at the home airport he was. Uh, and then we got in the car and drove back uh, to where I was. And of course, the glow was on for about a day. Then all of a sudden, I woke up one morning and I looked around and they wouldn't twig of grass anywhere. My God, they wouldn't anything in the natural I could hook my faith in because I had that plane as a prop to prop up my faith. You know what I mean? I had something that was a helper. I said, oh yeah, I can always sell that and get so much money. You know, because there's a market out here for this airplane and people do use this airplane because it was known to haul a lot of weight. It would carry one ton. And in that airplane's category, in fact, it held more weight and would carry more weight in passengers than any other airplane in that category like it in the world today, in that category. And so it was a good, well-known airplane for that, you know, and to get in and out of short fields and all kinds of stuff like that, little airports and things. And so now I'm out here, though, and I'm in my wilderness experience, and, and there's no 7-Elevens, you know, there's no get-it-and-goes, there's no uh, come-and-goes, there's no quick trips, there, there's nothing out there. There's no grocery stores, there's nothing, and I'm out here believing God, I call it. And so as I'm believing God for this airplane, what I've done is I've just said, I asked the Lord. My wife and I agreed together. We asked the Lord, and then I'd never done this before, but I had it in my spirit to, to just put it in my newsletter. The Lord said, just put it in there, and we did. And a certain amount of money came in through that, you know, and we kind of uh, put it to the side, and then, you know, there was some money that didn't come in. But anyway, we were just going along like this, and it seemed like that it was a long time in coming. You know, it seemed like I was going to go around the same mountain for 40 years in the wilderness like the children of Israel did. And I didn't like going around the same mountain, don't know about you. But it seemed like for a long time that I was. So anyway, in December of uh, 2012, which is not, is less than a year ago, I just decided that I need to pray about this. You know what I mean? And I need to seek God about this. Listen, if you've been believing God for something, you know, and I know sometimes it does take time for certain things to come to pass. I'm not going to deny that. But uh, I had been believing for this for a good while. I mean, I thought longer than I should be. You know, I thought that this already should have come to pass and there's something wrong somewhere. And I can just assure you, based on past experience, that God is not the one missing it. <laughs> and so... I need to make an adjustment, so I decided I need to go and ask God some things about this. So I decided to spend some time fasting and praying about it. Now, I'm not talking about missing every meal, but I mean seeking God. And, I, and not just that, but I mean I did pay attention to it, and I was giving myself to it. And I remember I was up real early in the morning praying one morning. I'd been seeking the Lord along these lines for some time. You know, I'm talking about, you know, a week or so, you know what I mean? Not just praying about that for a week or so. I'm talking about not 24 hours a day either, but in my prayer sessions, you know, which could last anywhere from two hours to three hours, sometimes four hours. And I don't do that all the time. So don't look at me as Mr. Spiritual. I, I just need more help than you do. And that's why I have to pray. I need more help than most folks. A lot of people graduated from Penn State. I graduated from the state Penn. So I have to have a lot of help. You know what I mean? It's a little different. It's a little different for me. And I have to seek God. If he don't help me, I'm in a lot of trouble. So I was praying, and, and I'd been seeking the Lord along this line two to three weeks, two and a half, three weeks. And I hadn't really heard anything, you know. And, but I, I found out about God. It says, ask and what? Seek. Seek means stay with it. Stay with it. I'm not praying or and I've already got my faith. I hadn't lost my faith. I'm still believing. But I, I mean, it looks hopeless. I mean, it looks dim. It looks like it ain't going to come to pass. It looks like, boy, I mean, phew, ain't no way we'll ever get this. In fact, can I just tell on myself? Everybody usually likes for me to tell on me, but not tell on them. So I'll tell on me. I mean, I even have thoughts of doubt come. I mean, big thoughts of doubt. I mean, this is after I believe God. You know, and stood on God, sowed and done what God said, had thoughts of doubt come. You just crazy. You just out of your mind. 
You trying to step up here too big. You, you know, you done bit off more than you could chew, like Granny would say. And, and here you are. And then thoughts would come and I'd rebuke them. You know what I mean? But they would come and they would got to come in stronger and stronger. But I'd just stand against them. I'd still say what the word says. I'd still keep my confession right, you know. But this is what Dad Hagen taught me. He said, you can have thoughts of doubt in your head while you've got a heart filled with faith. Because the enemy operates in the sense realm. And he wants to convince you that what you're believing is not working. He wants to convince you that the word of God is not true. And if you fall for that lie, he'll take what belongs to you. So I was tilting, but I didn't fall. I stood because it was big to me. It wouldn't be big to you, but it was big to me. And so after about two and a half weeks of praying, again, not 24 hours a day and not praying just about this, one morning, the Lord spoke to me in my spirit and he said, he said, you've been praying and asking me about the airplane. I said, yes, yes, Lord, yes, I have. I was quiet where I could hear the voice of the Lord, you know. I said, yes, yes, Lord, I have. He said, he said one thing is, he said, you know, you're putting too much trust in men. Because I had put it in my newsletter, you know, and I was thinking, well, if so-and-so would do this and so-and-so would give this and so-and-so would do that, you know, then we'd just have all the money and it would all come to pass, you know, and it would be ready to go. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, he said, you've been putting your faith and trust too much in men. There's nothing wrong with it. He didn't get on me for doing it. He was saying, you're, you're trusting in those things. He showed me I had my faith aimed in the wrong direction. You know what I mean? Aimed at what I could do in the natural and what somebody else could do in the natural. And I kind of got my eyes off of him and faith off of him. Not meaning to. I didn't even realize it. But that's why I was asking, what do I need to do? And he showed me, I said, Lord, you're right. I, I repent of that. I said, I, I, I realize that I should not be trusting in men and things that I could do or things I could print and, you know, thinking about, well, if this one were done that and that one done that. And so I got that adjustment made. And then I was walking through the house this early in the morning. My wife's asleep, so I was walking around, you know, down. And I happened to walk into the, one of the bathrooms there at the house. I was just walking in and walking back out because there's a light in the hallway. I didn't turn the lights on in the house, just one in the room where I prayed, you know. And I was walking in there, and I just stopped. And I was reminded, standing there in that bathroom in that house, of something that happened to Brother Hagen, Dad Hagen, back years ago. Wasn't too many years after he and Mom Hagen first got married. Mom Hagen had this, uh, what they call a gorder growth in her throat. And this thing, this growth was choking her. Now, he was anointed to lay hands on people for healing. He'd seen a lot of miracles. I mean, all kind of things had happened. But uh, when it came to her, that it seemed to be that they wouldn't get any results with their prayers or with their faith. And so he had been praying about asking the Lord to spare his wife's life because he sensed that she was going to die if she had surgery for this gorder. She sensed that if she went in the hospital and had surgery that she would die for this growth in her throat, that she could not withstand the surgery. So, you know, he didn't press her. And then later on, by talking to her, Mom Hagen, she had the same sense. She sensed that she would die, so she just kept putting it off and putting it off, and this growth got bigger, this gorder got bigger and bigger, till it started choking her. I mean, she couldn't swallow right, couldn't breathe right, eat right, none of that. And so, Dad Hagen said that they was in a church service one night, just like we are right here, and that the end of the service, he had taught a Bible lesson, and at the end of the service, they just decided they're going to pray. It used to be common to pray in that day, and he just sat down on the platform, on, on some steps there, I think, by the platform. And uh, he was uh, just praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit. He'd been talking to the Lord about his wife and that he wanted to keep his wife. He didn't want her to die and asking the Lord to do something about it. And suddenly, he said, all of a sudden, about three to four feet in front of him, Jesus appeared and he said to him, he said, I've come to answer your prayer. 
Brother Hagin said immediately, he said, I knew what he was talking about. He said, I had been asking him about my wife and I didn't want her to die at a young age. And I knew, since to my spirit, that she would die if she had surgery for this gorder. And he said to Brother Hagin, Dad Hagin, he said, you're right. He said, in the natural, I'm just paraphrasing now, in the natural, he said, Aretha, your wife, would have died if she had been operated on for this gorder or growth in her throat. She would have died. He said, but son, he said, just because you've asked me to, he said, I'm going to spare her life. He said, oh, he said, Jesus said something to him. He said that this touched him forever affected his life. Jesus said this to him. He said, oh, how I long to do for all of my children. If they would only come to me and ask me in faith, not squalling and begging in fear, would I do it or not, but just come ask me in faith and trust me. He said, how I long to do for all of my children if they will only ask me. That came to me in that bathroom early in the morning. I don't know, it might have been 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 5.30 a.m. in the morning. And that story came to me, and it was so real. I know the Lord brought it to me. The Holy Ghost did. And such the compassion of God just rose up in me. And I said out of my spirit, I said, Lord, I do remember that. I do remember that you appeared to Dad Hagen, and you told him to tell Aretha to have surgery. Why he didn't heal her, I don't know. Ain't none of my business. She had the surgery, came through with flying colors. In fact, the doctor said that she would die. They thought she would die but she didn't. She lived and that lived him. Many, many, many years later, you know, she was still alive. And so the Lord answered his prayer. So I remembered that in that bathroom. And I said, Lord, you said to Brother Hagin, oh, how I long to do for my children. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus longs to do something for you. He wants to do something for you more than you want him to. But if you don't ask him and invite him and seek him, he can't do anything for you because he cannot violate his word. Why? Because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. For those that come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So that morning, I said, Lord, you said to Brother Hagin, Oh, how I long to do for my children. If they would only come to me and ask me in faith, not squalling and crying in fear and unbelief, but ask me in faith and trust me to undertake for them, he said, I'll do it. And I just repeated that to the Lord. I said, Lord, this is what you said to Brother Hagin. And I said, it agrees with the Bible because it don't matter what somebody said the Lord said to him if it doesn't agree with the Bible. But it agrees with the Bible. And I said, Lord, you said that to Brother Hagin. And I said, Lord, I've made that adjustment in my spirit about trusting in men for this airplane. Lord, you know I have no other source. I have no other way. And I said, if this airplane comes to me, and I wasn't saying it in doubt and unbelief, I'm just saying the hypotheticals here. I said, it would be a miracle. And I said, Lord, I ask you to cause this to come to pass for me. And I said another thing. I said, my son knows. He's old enough now. He knows and he's seen his daddy believe in God. I said, I want my son to witness this miracle so it will encourage his faith. Because he's headed down a line that he's going to have to trust God and believe God. Because he knows his daddy's believing God. He's believed with me. He said it with me. He's prayed with me. His mama's prayed with me. And I said, Lord... Do this, do this for me and for my son. And the Lord just said right in my spirit, he said, it's done, son, it's done. So I went away, that's in December of 2012. Well, the very next month, I think, who was down there in uh, Florida? She was down there in Florida. 
this lady back here. But she witnessed it. You was there the morning. In this morning service in January, which is just a month, it was probably less than a month after I said that to the Lord. Less than a month. Now I'm telling you, if he'd done it for me, and me an old convict boy, what would he do for you? I'd just come to him, just talk to him. Less than a month, we was down in Fort Walden Beach, Florida, doing a word and spirit meeting that the Lord told me to do. And in walked a multi, 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 multi-millionaire. He walked up to me on a Wednesday morning, and he's fumbling around. I think it was a Wednesday morning. Was it Wednesday or Thursday? I think it was Wednesday morning. He was fumbling around with a piece of paper. And I was thinking, what's, that? what's he doing? What's going on here? He's fumbling around. And he walked up there, you know, and he put his spectacles on. And he took this piece of paper and said, the Lord sent me here. That's why I come to this meeting. And he said, the Lord told me to give you this money. He said, go ahead and buy that airplane. And I did. <laughs> I did. She was there. She witnessed it. But I'll tell you, when it happened, you know, did, did you do cartwheels? No, I didn't. I mean, I was excited, but I already had it in my spirit. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't a head thing, but I already had it in my spirit. And I was able the very next month to go and pay cash for an airplane that I never dreamed that I would own. He was able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think. But let me balance that out with this. It's not just about airplanes. It's not about money. It's about coming to God and asking Him for whatever it is that you desire. Whatever it is that you need. He said in these verses we read here, these five verses, he said, ask five times. Jesus said it. I said, Jesus said it, not me. Jesus did. And you counted it. You took the test. It's in the Bible. He said, ask five times. He said, seek two times, just in five little verses. Five verses. It's important, very important, that we ask God in prayer by faith. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will seek the Lord, if you will ask Him and invite Him in your life, ask Him, talk to Him about your problems that you're facing. Talk to Him about your tests and trials in faith. Don't worry, don't fret, don't fear. Just go to him and ask him. Guess what's going to happen? He's going to show up at your house just like he did at my house. He's going to show up in your meeting just like he did at my meeting. I'm here to tell you, God can orchestrate things and bring them to pass if you will do what? Ask him. The Bible says men and women too should ought to always pray and not to faint. I mean, it's time to ask. And one of the things that I know that we need to ask about is we need to ask about our nation. We need to ask about our country. We need to pray for the move of God to take place in this earth. And of course, God wants us to ask about our individual personal needs also. He wants us to do that. But it's a time that we ask, a time that we seek God, and I'll guarantee you the Bible says... What does it say in Matthew 7, verse 11? If you then, being evil, know how to, good, good, how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, how much more, how much more, how much more? I said, how much more? I said, the Bible says, how much more? Shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that do what? That do what? That do what? How do you know? If you don't ask, you won't have. You got to ask him. Ask him. Well, say, I, I want that, I desire. 
ask him. How do you know? Jesus said so. How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things, not bad things, good things to them that ask him? And I know you're going to want to start kicking yourself because you hadn't already asked for more. All I say, don't kick yourself. Just start asking. Start asking him. Start talking to him. Start reminding him of what his word says. Not in the sense that you're trying to make him do anything. He already wants to do it. But if we don't ask, we won't have. Because he said that we must ask him. Isn't that right? Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, whatever it is that you need from God, if you'll ask him, he'll do it for you. I mean, I've got story after story after story. Of course, today, can I tell on myself? Today, I was asking him for some things today, this afternoon. As I was back praying, I was just talking to the Lord, and I was telling the Lord some things. You know, he knows it, but he likes for us to talk to him about it. Say, Lord, you know that this is coming up over yonder. Lord, you know that this is happening over there. Lord, in things that I'm looking at, things that I'm facing up yonder. And I said, Lord, I'm asking you to help me with that. Lord, I'm asking you to get involved in this. Lord, you know when this month comes that I'm going to need this to happen and I'm going to need this to take place. And Lord, I ask you, I ask you, just because you told me to, I'm asking you to get involved in this and go ahead now and start working it out. I distrust you, Lord, to work all this out. You know why? Because I started having thoughts about what am I going to do? What am I going to do about this? And what am I going to do about that? And I decided, well, I can't do nothing about it. But I know somebody who can. Amen. That's, his name is our Father God. And if we go to him in the name of Jesus, and you know what? He started working on those things for me today. I said he started working on them for me today. Why? Because I asked him today. He started working on them. In fact, the moment I asked him, standing in my bathroom at my house, he started working on it, and he was working everything together. He had to get this guy. I mean, one of the guys came from Ohio. Another one came from over yonder. Another one was going to uh, whatever, somewhere, Philippines or something. And they all wound up. One of the girls was going to the Philippines that was there. And they wound up at my meeting. That's what I said, brother. Wow. Now, that's a wow. Now, this is a bigger wow to me. He said, Peter, go throw a hook in. And the first fish that comes up, he said, open up his mouth and look down in that thing and get the money out and we're going to pay our bills. How did Peter walk to the right place where the fish was at and throw the hook in? How did he know where to go stand? How did the fish know where Peter was going to be? And then again, what bank had the fish been to that would draw the money? <laughs> don't know, don't care, keep it coming. My God, God is a miracle working God. Isn't that right? Ask him, ladies and gentlemen. Ask him. Oh, he wants to meet your needs. He wants to solve all your problems. And he'll do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy written word.